But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. You did, you did a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. You've got to execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's what we do here on the 9 by 9 the 81 square meters, the best volleyball coverage on the internet. My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. That is Everett DeLorme, live from Toronto. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd. This is episode 66. And uh, boy, do we have some interesting stuff going on, Everett. Not only is it a, a crazy time in, in playoff volleyball in Europe, we're starting to hand out some legitimate season-long hardware, but we had an even crazier story that just broke earlier today. Yeah, I mean, crazy times. It, it feels a little weird, though, Rob. Like, I wake up every day, I look at the today's matches in our, on the Discord. Big shout-out to the Volleyball Source Discord. And there's like one or two matches a day, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, it's just like there's only a few matches going on uh, that matter. But just because there's only a few, that means that the ones that are going on are absolutely massive. But you're right. Before we get to the volleyball that's been going on, there has been some massive news uh, from Brazil. I think everyone will remember Wallace's little mishap earlier this year. But Rob, you've 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 broken it down pretty good here in our show notes. So I'm just going to let you take it away. Um, because this is, could have massive, could have, well, we'll discuss that afterwards, but could have massive implications in the world of international volleyball, both this year and, and for a little while. Yes, it could. So like, like Everett said, uh, this, this, we first heard about this little Wallace situation back in, I think, late January, early February. And we brought it up on the show, but now it's uh, blown up for several reasons. And then the other thing that's important to point out before we really dig into this is that all of this is really just breaking today. And there's yes. still a lot of the the implications and the repercussions of this towards like the global volleyball world that we don't really know yet. We don't exactly know what all the consequences of this are going to be, but he, I'll, I'll go through what we know right now. So it started back on January 31st when uh, Wallace, everyone's familiar with Wallace. He um, won an Olympic gold medal for Brazil. He's um, the captain right now of Sada Crucero, uh, the, clearly the best, most storied Brazilian club of all time. Wallace was suspended indefinitely by Sada Crucero, by his team, on January 31st. And what he did to, to earn that suspension was that he posted on his Instagram story messages suggesting that the Brazilian president should be brought to harm, uh, in particular, uh, that the Brazilian president should hypothetically be shot. And then shortly after, he posted photos of weapons that were implied to be used for said shooting, which... You obviously cannot do. If you're a, if you're an Olympic caliber athlete, you can't incite violence upon anybody, especially not the president of your country. So Wallace accepted that suspension that that was imposed by his club, and then he issued a video apology on Instagram on January 31st. So that was it for then at that point. And uh, Sada Crucero was going to let it blow over and lift the suspension when the club chose to. However, a few weeks later, on February 25th. The Brazilian Olympic Committee, which is the COB that you see there on the screen, they govern all international sports in Brazil. They suspended Wallace from domestic competition in the Brazilian Superliga for 90 days. And the, the Brazilian Olympic Committee can do that because they govern the Brazilian Volleyball Federation. The Brazilian Volleyball Federation governs the domestic league and all the clubs and all the athletes that play there. So the Brazilian Olympic Committee... Com committee is the top dog all things 
Olympic sports related in Brazil. And so they imposed their own suspension on Wallace that started started from January 31st and lasted for 90 days. And that that suspension would have lapsed, I think, literally today, either today or yesterday, like just barely after the championship match was scheduled for the season. So that that suspension was brought down by the Brazilian Olympic Committee at, at some point after that. The Brazilian Volleyball Confederation, which is the CBV, hired an unauthorized independent arbitrator to rule on an appeal that the CBV submitted uh, of the COB suspension. So th- th- this happens in sports. When, 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 you, when a suspension is levied, you have a chance to appeal it. So the, the COB suspended Wallace. The CBV, which is the volleyball governing body in Brazil, wanted to appeal that suspension but instead of appealing that directly with the brazilian olympic committee they hired an unauthorized independent third party in significant air quotes we'll get to that later they hired a third party independent arbitrator to hear this appeal and that independent arbitrator heard the appeal and they ruled that they thought that wallace should be released from his suspension so uh, that was that was on april 12th when that quote-unquote ruling was released so this independent arbitrator said oh no everything's fine here the the brazilian olympic committee suspension doesn't apply and wallace is cleared to go back to playing so that was what the 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 cbv sada crucero and wallace they accepted that ruling from the independent arbitrator so fast forward to this past weekend april 30th this was uh i think sunday Sada Crucero played in the championship match in the Super League. It's a one, just one single match, not a series. And Wallace didn't start the match, but he came off the bench in all three sets, including scoring the championship-winning kill in the third set. Uh, Sada Crucero won the match 3-0. to zero. They won yet another Brazilian League title. They win it every single year. And they didn't really need Wallace to win this tournament, per se, but he did score the championship-winning kill. And in doing so... By by Wallace setting foot on the court, well, even dressing, warming up, like appearing in the match, but setting foot on the court, he violated the COB's suspension because the only people that accepted a ruling that's saying, oh, no, that, that suspension doesn't apply. Wallace is good to go. The Brazilian Volleyball Federation accepted that. Sada Crucero, the club, and Wallace, the athlete, accepted the ruling of an independent arbitrator that was never greenlit or agreed to by the COB, which actually levied the suspension. So that, that's the events, and a statement came out today. Everett, any, you want to jump in, or any questions about the events so far? No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty clear at, at, as of right now. Um, it sounds to me like, I mean, yeah, let, you, can just, you can just keep it going at, at this point, because this is, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit, but this is, is not surprising behavior to me from, <laughs> from the Brazilian Volleyball Federation whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's and we'll certainly get to that. So, Sada Crucero wins the championship this past weekend. Wallace plays. In doing so, he violates his suspension from the Brazilian Olympic Committee. And today, the Ethics Committee of the Brazilian Olympic Committee issues a statement. And they, they issued this long statement in Portuguese that I spent like hours today translating through and trying to understand the legalese also in like Google Translate form. So that was certainly an adventure. But what it comes down to is that the the COB, the again, the governing body for all Olympic sports in Brazil, condemned all the actions of the CBV, of Sada Crucero, and of Wallace himself. They pointed out that this independent op- arbitrator that the CBV hired to, to hear this appeal 
should, should never be hearing any appeal. Their verdict does not matter at all. And the reason why is that the, the, the COB pointed out massive conflicts of interest in who this independent arbitrator was. It, it turns out that Wallace's independent lawyer, the lawyer that represents him, is also the lawyer that founded and sits on the CBV's ethics board and sits on the board or sits like on the sports lawyer council of this independent arbitrator. So like clearly that's a that's a gigantic conflict of interest. I don't understand what where exactly the money is being handed off here to to make this so so shady and to put the interests of just one athlete uh, above this the suspension from literally the Brazilian Olympic Committee but that's what the BOS, the CAB statement pointed out today and they also outlined the following punishments. So here's what I've been able to figure out. These are the the punishments recommended by the ethics committee committee to the entire Brazilian Olympic Committee. One is that Wallace is suspended. He was already suspended for 90 days from domestic competition and a year from the national team. Both of those suspensions have been extended to five years. So, and if, if you follow volleyball, you, you've known Wallace. Like, he retired from the national team last year. They brought him back to play the world championship because Alan Souza got hurt. And Wallace retired from the national team again. So, this is just very, very much confirming that Wallace will never play on the national team again. Ever again. Ever. Ever. So, that's, that's a minor punishment. A, a major one, though is that the Brazilian Olympic Committee has been ordered to suspend any and all financial transfers and material assistance to the CBV for six months. And by extension of that, all government financial assistance from the Ministry of Sport to anything related to Brazilian volleyball has been suspended for six months. So what that means, it doesn't mean that the Brazilian Volleyball Federation can't operate. It doesn't mean that they can't play international events it doesn't even mean they can't host international events what it means is that they will get no money from any outside source from the government for six months that is a massive deal and additionally the ethics committee strongly recommended and i don't know how much how much power they have to make this reality but they recommended that the banco do brasil like the the big bank in brazil that is the primary private sponsor of the cbv and all other private sponsors the, the COB strongly recommended that those people also stop their financial contributions to Brazilian volleyball also for six months. So this is looking like six months of the Brazilian Volleyball Federation scraping the bottom of the barrel for money just to operate. And that is massively significant. Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, Rob, I'm really not all that surprised. I mean, let's be honest. Back in 2014, there was massive fraud allegations coming on Ari Grassa from his time as the president of the uh, Brazilian Federation that he was basically funding Banco do Brasil's um, sponsorship money into his own pockets. Um, those allegations were still ongoing, and he was still being uh, looked at uh, up until 2000 and, uh, 2021, and still... I mean, he's still at the head of the FIVB while being under investigation for fraud. So it's just kind of par for the course to me for Brazil um, and and how they operate things. Um, the fact that they thought that an independent uh, an independent arbitrator could rule this thing and think that it would be valid is absolutely mind-boggling and it just it just seems like they thought it was gonna be like oh you know he's a few days away he's a he's a few uh, come on come on you know he's just a few days away why not just just let him play he barely even played he barely even touched the court just not not that big that big of a deal um but ultimately i think that the financial implications for this 
could be massive. Um, I, obviously, I'm not entirely sure how the, you know, the CBV works uh, all in all, but I know that if Volleyball Canada, for example, was to lose the government funding that they have, that it would shutter. It would be absolutely game over. Now, I think the CBV is probably a little bit more business savvy than Volleyball Canada is. And considering they have major sponsors like Banco de Brazil um, to kind of fund some of those things, uh, it's going to be very, it would, you know, they might be in a better standing, but it's going to be very interesting to see moving forward how this affects not only men's volleyball, women's volleyball, beach volleyball, but just Brazilian volleyball as a whole, right? Which has been on, you know, on grounds, I would say, for, for a little bit now, um, just due to, to some political situations. But furthermore, like if you look like that one year suspension for Wallace was actually pretty big. When you add the fact that Leal will be playing for this summer either for, for the national team, he might be looking at the world, like Olympic qualifiers. What is Brazil going to look like this season uh, at the VNL? What are they going to look like at the Olympic qualifiers? Do they have the money to be able to, to get you know, some of these places? Is this going to affect, like, is the bad press like this, is that going to affect Banco de Brazil to to pull out as a sponsor are they going to be able to get more sponsors i think in the next few days the next coming weeks is going to be very very interesting especially as we get closer to the to the vnl brazil is not hosting anything for for vnl this year uh, are they they are they have they have the second week of women's vnl okay. and one of the men's pools of olympic qualifiers so that they, they and the, funny enough like they just literally had over the weekend a big beach event like a big uh, beach volleyball world event down yeah. there before all this before all this broke but they're going to have i'm not even sure if they're going to be able to host those two events and then independently from that i'm not sure if if either brazilian national team is going to be able to participate in those events that doesn't even consider how much it's going to hurt the the juniors game and the beach game i think those are probably going to be the first things to get chopped off is as the the cbv is likely going to have to just scrape whatever cash reserves their business has just to operate uh the the juniors International juniors travel and international beach travel are going to be the first things to get chopped off. And I have no idea what this is going to look like. And we'll, we'll, we have a couple Brazilians in the Discord, I know, and we're going to be, we're really going to need them to help us out the next couple of days as more of this comes out because it just came out today. But I agree with you. This could be, this could be catastrophic, catastrophic for one of the great volleyball countries that we've relied upon in the world for decades that you put in the S tier of volleyball countries in your, the video you did recently and well-deserved. Like obviously there there's, this isn't the first and won't be the last time that a Brazilian sporting organization did something unethical, but their volleyball culture in that country is tremendous. And all of their teams are contenders at every level, men's, women's beach, everything. This is going to be a huge, huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a few people in the chat, of course, Ronnie saying that uh, uh, the CBV has something like 29 million million real um, in bank, and they're going to need at least um, 6 million uh, for the national teams uh, this year. So I think if anyone could withstand you know, a few months of this, I think it might be a Brazil. I think traveling to events and stuff like that, is it should be okay but for me it's the hosting you know yeah. are they going to be able to host uh this kind of stuff and if that's the case like they're going to need some more sponsors but ultimately this is this is going to be massive i don't really see them it would seem incredible to me just to have some external sanctions being brought on uh, upon them 
from like the IOC or something like that, considering the IOC has barely even sanctioned Russia. Uh, <laughs> and this is a very this is a very internal matter. So, yeah, uh, ultimately, I, I think that this is is probably the extent that we're going to see from it. But there is a lot of questions moving forward to, you know, when is that that funding going to restart um, for for the uh, for, for the CBV? Yeah, so Sada Crucero today declined to put out any sort of comment or statement on all this. The CBV kind of put up a blanket generic statement like, we're looking into this, we're going to fight back against it as best we can. But that's really all that we've seen. So nothing from the FIVB, nothing from... Uh, that nothing there to be, no. No, me neither. You're right. This is an internal matter. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring up before we, before we wrap this up is, is just how stupid this is. This is so stupid. This is so stupid. First of all, this is not about what Wallace did. What Wallace did, like implying that you should shoot the president of your country, is completely insane and unacceptable. But that's not what this is about. This is about going behind the back of your Olympic committee in your country to try and work around in a slimy way, hiring a, a clearly biased independent, not like not independent, but quote unquote independent arbitrator to hear an appeal just to get one player back for one match where you didn't even need him. Sada Crucero didn't need Wallace to win the Super League of this year. They were the best no. team in Brazil by far. They always are. They, they, they didn't no. need him. They, 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 yeah. And they didn't even start him. Like he, if, if you're going to play the guy and, and bring on all this entire firestorm on your entire country, at least like start him, like set him every yeah. ball and see what he can get you. They barely what do even you think played he, the guy. What do you think? They're just going to check the starting lines be like, oh, no, he, he didn't start. Kate, we're no, good. He didn't, he didn't start. Yeah, nobody's going to watch the game. Nobody's going to notice that he came in off the bench. It's, it's crazy that they were willing to do all of this crap for one player to play a little bit of one match. And I respect the, the Brazilian Olympic community for, for just destroying Brazilian volleyball for this because of how stupid it is. You gained nothing from this. You lose potentially everything from this. And it's an important precedent to set that you cannot attempt to undermine your National Olympic Committee and, and do stupid things like this. You cannot do that. And I, I respect this ruling. I agree with it. I have no idea what Wallace and Sada Crucera were thinking. I have no idea why this why, why, why this is even done. Why are we even talking about this? It's insane. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But hey, the only people who are going to suffer now is Brazilian volleyball. So I guess that's a chance for the, the rest of the world um, to do. I wouldn't even say catching up because they haven't been that dominant over the past few years. This isn't, this isn't the mid-2000s where they're winning everything left, right, and center. But uh, yeah, let's let's move on from this, Rob. We've probably we've already spent a little too much time to some to some real volleyball. Let's let's yes, start please. over in Turkey, where you know what this year has been so interesting for the best teams in the world. You know, on the men's side, Perugia just completely imploding, and it's like Perugia and Exasha, or sorry, uh, Vakif Bank did a complete one eighty. Right, Perugia started the season. Very, very good. Vakif Bank has been struggling since the beginning, but recently they have been red hot, and that has continued by absolutely dominating Fenerbahce in the finals of the Turkish Cup over the weekend. A big 3 nothing win. Like, it really wasn't even close uh, out there in, in favor of Vakif Bank. Once again, we're seeing Egonu and Gabi being featured equally. And in the offense, both of them are fantastic. Gabi hitting over 60%, uh, Ogono hitting over 50. 
and Vakuf Bank is back in the driver's seat in Turkey and in Europe. Yes, they are. I, I love how you said how opposite this season has been for them compared to Perugia. I mean, Vakuf Bank, they, they got smoked by Fenerbahce in the Super Cup the start of the year. They didn't really show up all that well at the Club World Championship. And now here, the Turkish Cup, which, I mean, even though it was pushed back by a month, uh, they've completely turned it around. So they get some hardware here. Obviously, they're going to play for a Champions League final, and they'll start the semifinal series in the Sultan Ligi here this week. But th- this has been an, a ridiculous turnaround, and it's turnaround on a dime. It was that second leg of that Champions League semifinal where Vakif Bank beat Fenerbahce on the road and in a golden set. And ever since then, they've been the Vakif Bank that we saw win the Infinity Gauntlet last year. It's really been fascinating. Yeah, uh, absolutely. When you, and when you look like, as, I, as we said, after they won that second leg, they must have had an internal team meeting because, once again, it's still pretty lopsided. 47 sets to Ogonu, 25 um, for Gabby. But Gabby, 15 points. She went 15 for, for 25. She's getting the bulk like the bulk of serve receive and absolutely killing for it. There's no doubt in my mind who the leader of this team right right now. And that's Gabby Guamarez. No doubt about it. She's leading this team to the prom to, to the promised land. And you know what? Like the numbers on the other side of the net um, for um, for Fenerbahce, just not great offensively. Both Federatseva and Anna Cristina hitting only 39%, both going 9 for 23. Melissa Vargas is all right going 14 for 30. But man, Vakif Bank just turning things around so, so, so nicely. And I cannot wait because we've got, they've got a whole series coming up in the semifinals. So this that's just going to be absolute. Just add more wood to that fire. Let's go because we, there's, like these two teams have a, a tale of two seasons the early season where Fenerbahce uh, Fenerbahce dominated and now as you said it turned on a dime to after that second leg and now it's all in Vakuf Bank and then sleeping in the background is it Zajabasha who casually went undefeated in the regular season and they're playing a Champions League final as well I'm like they, they've got a much easier uh, relatively easier semifinal matchup in THY but with Fenerbahce we talked about it as they were storming through the Champions League and then hit that brick wall of Vakabank at the last minute. It was all about their unique, almost men's volleyball-like play style where they were just ripping balls from the service line. They were destroying people in the serve and pass battle. They were ripping high balls. Their offense was very simple, but they were out physically dominating people. And the the first number I look at on a score sheet when I look at, look at the Fenerbahce game is serving and number of aces in particular, three. <laughs> Three aces and three sets, and only six errors, which is not bad. But Vakif Bank now having seen Fenerbahce so many times, have getting so many reps against a serving team of that caliber. And it's not like Fedorovseva and Vargas and um, occasionally, you know, who else can apply pressure on that team? Uh, Ana Cristina, occasionally. But it's, it's mostly Fedorovseva and Vargas, at least in my head. They, they've seen serves from those players so many times by now that what I think Vaka Bank's doing a great job of is not getting aced. They're just putting the ball up in the middle of the court. They can survive putting the ball up in the middle of the court because you have Paul Egonu, who has a case for being the best player in the world, and you have Gabi, who will never make a mental error in a high ball situation. Uh, I also want to give Karabayam a credit for really stabilizing the second outside position for Vaka Bank. But going into this, this series, as we can now look at the semifinals here that start, I think, tomorrow, how can you how can you look at the recent history and think that Fenerbahce has a chance to get past Vakabank here? I personally don't. 
I mean, yeah, it's 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 definitely going to be interesting right now. All of the momentum is on Vakuf Bank. I mean, they've won six straight sets uh, against Fenerbahce. Seven, um, if you count that golden set. Seven, if you want. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Seven, if you count that golden set, right? So um, this, to me, is is there's there's two things. First of all, Vakuf Bank is putting on their their championships hats, right? Because even with the addition of Agonu, like she's a champion as well, right? She's won the Champions League. She knows how to get it done. She's no, she's won the leg of all family before. They know how to do it in crunch time, but also for Kai coming into the chat, uh, Fenerbahce is crumbling, and Erdem has publicly criticized head coach Terzic on national television. So you can tell that that inner turmoil on Fenerbahce is really starting to eat them up right at the worst time, just as Vakuf Bank is, is coming closer together. So that is going to be really interesting because especially like, like let's remember the only law, like one of the only, like uh, Exaja Basha only has two losses this season. One in uh, the World Club Championship and the other one is to Fenerbahce in the quarterfinals uh, earlier in March in, in this Turkish Cup, right? So, the, you know, you said that they're kind of sleeping and going on through. There was a little while there where I thought, hey, Fenerbahce might be that team. They might be them to be able to take down Exaja Basha, but that's not the case as it's looking right now as it looks like they're crumbling. And to me, this is almost very much like the Perugia situation where you just have that inner turmoil on a team full of stars that just can't get together. Yep, and so they, I mean, Fenerbahce has the leadership in Ada Erdem, but apparently it's not going well with the coaching staff. Uh, meanwhile, it does look to me like Vakif Bank relying upon Gabi as such an incredible leader. It is maybe the first time I'll ever compliment Giovanni Gudetti on taking a step back just a little bit and letting Gabi be the emotional voice and, and just you know the, the steadying presence in timeouts and such he's we, we all see Gadetti so animated we've got that emoji of him in the discord just going like this as Italian and loud and angry as it gets but I even see him taking his foot off the gas a little bit that's a, a yeah. team that has a defined leader and that trusts Gabi Guimaraes who has been there before and I trust her as well I, I think both uh the, this this league playoff and the Champions League final are Vaca Banks to lose because yep. nobody nobody else has a player like Gabi. Yeah. Oof. I don't know. I, I think Boscovich is is emotionally up there with Gabi for sure. And Boscovich has gotten the job done at a number at a number of occasions. So that to me, that matchup between those two, um, especially it definitely in the, the Champions League finals, we can't say anything about the Sutinla Ligi just yet because you've got the uh, the semifinal matchup just here. Uh, game one of that series going down tomorrow, game two going down Friday. I do think that, what what channel is it usually on? Um, um, it's, it's on TRT YouTube, Sport. usually, yeah. TRT Sport, yeah. I think you can actually find that on YouTube. So we're, we're going we're gonna to look into that for, for you guys. Yeah, but... I, I watched the Hawk Bank game today on YouTube for free. So ho- okay. hopefully you can do the same for the women's. Awesome. Yeah, so that, that is going to be very, very interesting because Fenerbahce has to do something to figure out Vakif Bank at this point. Um, and I'm not sure they can. I, I'm not sure they can. I mean, they may win one game, but I Definitely see Vakif Bank winning this series, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, it's going to have to be yeah. from the service line for Fenerbahce. They're going to have to conjure that back up that we saw for a month or so there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Rob, from one women's playoffs to another, let's head over to Italy where we have one team who has made the finals. Everyone knew who it was. Imoko Kunigliano <laughs> getting, getting it done all the way to the finals, taking down Novara. 
Navarro was able to win a set, at least in the last game. <laughs> but but that's about it. Uh, this team has been absolutely dominant um, throughout this season. Hawk with 17 in the last match. Catherine Plummer with 23. That might be one of the Whoa. best matches all year for Catherine, Catherine Plummer uh, out there. Kara Kurt, uh just with 20, but then no one else. Like the next highest scorer for uh, Novara in this one was Bossetti with just 10 points. So Canigliano, just absolutely dominant. Um, are we surprised whatsoever that they're in the final? Nope. <laughs> Not even a little bit. I mean, yeah, Kara Kurt 20, Bossetti 10. I'm talking about match two where, uh, where Canigliano won three to one on the road. Yeah, I don't have much. I don't really have that much to say about this series. It wasn't that close. It wasn't that competitive. The Novara outside hitter position wasn't very good. Um, they needed more out of either Mackenzie Adams. Uh, Kenya Carcasses barely played. Um, she went like four for 11 in a set and a half. Um, the Novara middles were good, but the Corneliano middles were just as good. That was like really the only advantage that I saw for Novara in my head. And then the, I mean, the first match was even less close, like three dong, not close at all. Uh, 18, 22, 20, like then 26, 24. We've known for, for a month that at least, at least a month that Corneliano was, was going to be in the final. They had a great draw. They, they matched up extremely well against anyone on their side of the bracket. And yeah, sure enough, here they are. I, I don't really have that much more to say about this series. No, me, me neither. Like this is, this is pretty much to be expected. Um, and now it's just a fi- about, about uh, um, a fine. I mean, it, it's also expected to considering that Kurt and the club uh, president uh, Gian Vittorio Leonard uh, had a big argument right outside of the, uh, outside of the change room right after match one. Um, so that was like, right, like right in front of the media room too. So that figure you know, it out volleyball. Why are we doing this all seriously the time? Like in, in, in ways that are so public? Like, like it's, it's, this, it's crazy. It's just such an amateur sport in so many ways. It really is. It sucks <laughs> because we love it, but we just operate. Like I remember a good friend of ours who's going to remain nameless, but she was commentating during the bubble uh, during VNL and she comes back and she goes, I've been I've been to junior hockey games in Canada, which is under 20, you know, like teenagers where they have way more assets and way more help for the media uh, than they do for the VNL. And I think that just kind of sums up volleyball uh, all in all. Uh, So, yeah, Canigliano moving on to the finals. It's going to take a gargantuan effort from either the two teams in the other semifinals to take them down. So let's move over to there because leg one went to Scandici. And that to me was kind of on script. You know, this is a team that on paper is very, very good. They're very, very solid. They have one of the best players, or well, at least at one time, one of the best players in the world. And Zhu Ting, uh, Alina Pietrini is is fantastic. Uh, Antropova is one of the up-and-coming stars, I think, in the world of volleyball. Um, so good, a great match all in all by Scandici in match number, number one. And to be honest, I was expecting them to take it to nothing, but... I kind of was but, too. Man, match number two, Vero Volley Malonza comes back with authority. 17 team blocks, seven for Raffaella Foley, just absolutely out there demolishing. Like Jordan Thompson added 18 points. It was just, 
you had, what, five different players hitting double digits and points in this one. Larson with 13, Stesiak with 11, um, Silo with 11, Thompson with 18, Foley uh, once again with seven blocks with 11. Molonza just absolutely came alive and for at least one game this season, they were able to get all of their stars aligned to get this win. And how about getting double-digit points from both your opposites? How insane is that? I don't know if I've, I've really ever seen that. Like, Stisiak started the third set, appeared in sets one and two, went 10 for 21, 11 points, and Thompson was was the horse otherwise. It's just the, for, for once, the weird Malonza method of just throwing random combinations out there with everybody having a really short leash. For once, it kind of worked. Uh, and I, I'm not convinced that that's going to work again in a do-or-die match, but that's kind of what this was made this series fun. Both these teams are streaky. Both these teams have high ceilings. Both these teams have um, massive inconsistent tendencies as well. I mean, in that first match, going back to match one, you see those set scores 25-12, 25-13. Like, Malonzo looked like an embarrassment for two sets there, and then they, they somehow completely turned it around. They were leading significantly in, in the fourth before absolutely choking it away. I mean, you get 30 out of Antropova for Scandici in a match, and then she kind of lays an egg in the second game. Like that That's the sort of wild, inconsistent play that I'm talking about for teams that were clearly in the elite echelons in all of Europe this regular season, and it's made this series really fun. I mean, well, Antropova wasn't bad in game two. Uh, she did get blocked nine times, still 26 points. But this series is cool. It's fun. Can any of these teams sustain success to beat Cuneliano in the next round? No. No way. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, but, but. We also said that about Perugia earlier in the season. Uh, at this point, there's there's absolutely no bets about what and anything can happen, right? If you had asked me a few a few weeks ago if Perugia was going to lose to Milano, hell no. And Perugia just lost to Padova over the weekend, okay? So yeah, they, we're, they not, we're, we're not making any any man any more of these calls uh uh <laughs> at, at this point um but yeah the chat is coming up and saying scandici middle struggles are real and they are real man yeah Haley washington, washington negative efficiency Ouch. yeah not not great at bad all. for a middle man that's really bad yeah and then yvonne belly zero efficiency and they couldn't decide what they wanted to do it's better they were handcuffed by the foreigner limit. Well, one of one of the things that sucks about Scandici is like the only way they've been able to give themselves an outlet for the foreigner limit is to not play the best libero on the planet and Brenda Castillo, and that is a bummer. It is a bummer not getting to watch her in this series. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You need to find a way to to get her on. But once again, it's just teams that just stock up on foreigners and like Italy's good. You, you you're gonna need to find some some better at better Italian talent, but. Uh, yeah, game game five or sorry, game three is going to be going on tomorrow. Uh, obviously, you can check that out over on volleyballworld.tv or on uh, is it on Ray Sport? If you're uh, if you're oh, in, I uh, don't know. Yeah, me not, neither. Not my chair, not my problem, as they say. Uh, that if, if if you're in Italy, you know where to watch it. But uh, yeah, big one, big one tomorrow, two thirty Eastern. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be it should be a good one for sure. It's like sloppy and fun and weird is is the series that these two have produced. It could be could be streaky. You could see a team like put up twelve points in a set and then come back to win the match. Like anything's possible. So looking forward to that one. Oh, uh, you want to shift over to the Italian men's side? We've got the finals to talk about. Cool yeah, absolutely. Game one of the finals went down yesterday uh, at Trento, and this one 
until until like the second half of the fourth set was truly just a back and forth match. Absolutely. And it was a really fun match. To watch. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, Trento ran away with it in the fourth set um, in a big one you see there. And like they were close uh, up, up until late. Um, but Rob, what was your initial thoughts watching this match? So this match was weird, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that we're going to see a couple more of them because, honestly, my impression of it was that the level wasn't all that high collectively. It was strange. Uh, Trentino passed the ball extremely well, 33% perfect, 67% positive, but their offense just didn't quite look that good. There was just something... Something missing about it that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Uh, part of it could be that Stresko Lisinac clearly wasn't 100%. He did not look like himself. Uh, he left the match in the second set. But he's not like a, a, a fundamental part of their offense. Like He's not Robert Landy Simone. Still, so, something about the, the wing production wasn't – it just didn't look quite right to me. And the numbers were okay. Like Micheletta was good, 15 for 25. Uh, Kaziski was fine, uh, 18 for 35. Lavia was not great nine for 25 um i thought lube did a pretty good job on defense but uh lube's level wasn't overwhelmingly high either uh they collapsed a little bit in some moments late in sets they made some bad unforced errors at bad times and while they played defense pretty well i thought their serving was terrible so i'm glad that we're going to see these teams play each other again because there are going to be a lot of adjustments that are made and just a lot of moving parts as uh lorenzetti and blangini the coaches kind of go at one another which is, certainly isn't the first time those two have coached against one another so i'm excited to see another game's worth of this series i think it's thursday game two if i'm not mistaken and i, I hope that it's a little bit more like polished of a level for the finals in the best league in the world but that doesn't mean it wasn't entertaining because like you said this was an absolute back and forth battle um extremely thin margins until the end of the fourth set but i, I just wish the level was a little bit higher I'm going to push back a little bit on Trentino's offense wasn't being that fantastic because their efficiency was a 404. Like they they were actually fairly efficient uh, compared to compared to Lube who was a, a 324. Um, they weren't running anything like stupendous, but they were they were just pretty efficient, right? They didn't make very very many errors, um, and they scored when they needed to. For me, there's a few things that I noticed from this match. First and foremost. If you let Trentino take the lead, it's really, really hard to take it away from them. The the two biggest comebacks um, that Chivitanova had was uh, the comeback in the first set that Trentino ended up fighting off to, to take the match, and then the comeback in the second set that Trentino was able to, to push back. But they just play it, – it's so hard to put them in bad situations, and it's so hard to, to – it's so rare to see them misplay a situation like those in between balls where, you know, it's a tip. They, their systems make it so that they, they always know what the next play is going to be. They always know who's, who's up next. Uh, if you will, they do a really, really good job. The only set that they lost, which was set number th- or set number two story was the only set that they were really missing serves after 20. Like they really bear down and, and push hard at, at, after 22. So to me, Especially, I kind of agree, watching the match uh, originally from the broadcast, you see quite a bit of, it, it did seem kind of sloppy, but it was really just, in, in my eyes, a lot of the times, Trentino just managing the situation and bettering the ball consistently. Um, 
Whereas, you know, like Lube Chivitanova, especially in that, uh, um, that third set, they had three point leads twice and then had another decent lead up 2018 late into that third set. And that's the one that uh, Trentino came back to, to get. So they're just, they just have these lapses of concentration and lapses of their mental game where they're making bad errors. There's just poor communication on the court. They don't make critical digs. And it was this, those, those kind of in-between points where you could see where, and like, like on the other side, Trentino gets down by three and they focus in their blocking gets better. Their, their defense get better. They force Trentino or Lube to make an error offensively. So for me, it was a really, really good game by Trento when they weren't necessarily playing their best, but they were able to manage their emotions quite a bit and and push through. But Lube is going to need to answer quite better. They really need to serve much tougher. Like they're not playing Milano anymore. Um, yeah. and, and 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 that's and that's the big thing. Like they're playing <laughs> Milano plus, right? Like I, I see there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between the way that Milano play to the way that Trentino play in terms of how they use everyone, how they work together as a team. But Trentino just executes at a much, much higher level. And I don't know, like, Lube is going to have to put a lot of pressure offensively on them. Like, some of the stuff that DeCeco is doing with Chinignese and the way that Nikolov is scoring, that that 4-4 that four to four shot is absolutely disgusting. But then Trentino will go back. They'll get a good go, – go get a serve receive. And Mikoletto will hit a nice high off hands. Kaczynski will challenge the block. And they just go back to business, right? And it's uh, – to me, Trentino, I, I like a lot of what you said there. A lot of that makes sense. Like Trentino making smart choices, uh, not making mental mistakes, and kind of managing weird scrap and, and, and making the most out of it. That reminds me of the Italian national team and the way that they won the world championship last year is that they, they didn't play the, the best volleyball the world has ever seen, but they brought teams down to their level and beat them at what they were good at. I think Trentino is a little bit similar to that, but it doesn't mean that they're not beatable because I, I'm I, – Here's a question for you. Is there a clear answer to this? I don't think there is. Who's the best player in this series? I, I agree that I don't think there is a clear answer to, to this. Who's um, because like for, for, for either team? Who's the guy? I mean, it, for, for me, it, it's clear that, that the guy and the, the linchpin for, for Lube is, is there's two players. First of all, there's Ivan Zaitsev. Um, because he they're targeting quite a bit on on serve receive, and he's the guy that's really having to get them out of some 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 tough situations. Especially in this one, Nikolov wasn't great offensively; he was making a, a few errors. And we saw when Zaitsev started making errors in that late fourth set, and his he started lose himself mentally. That's when the rest of Lube lost themselves. Right when when Zaitsev kind of unraveled a bit, there was a big play um, to make things. I think it was like 18-15 or 17-15 for Trentino, where Meek, there was like an open net for Zaitsev on the right side. Mikoletto closed him real quick, got a soft block, and then turned around and got the kill. And you could see Zaitsev on the, the net just hold it. And it, you could see that's the moment he broke in the match. When Ivan Zaitsev holds, like pulls the net down in frustration after Classic. a point, you Classic, know you're in right? trouble. <laughs> so so yeah, to me, totally. there's there's two linchpins for uh, Lubechi Vitanova, and that has to be Ivan Zaitsev and, of course, Luciano De Cecco, right? De Cecco has been there before. Yeah. He's won three straight um, Scudettos. 
at yeah. least two. I think I think the the one in well, it was Bruno. Yeah, you're, you're was right. Bruno. When, he's when he's won two Scudettos. He knows how to get the job done. He's won an Olympic bronze. Um, but everywhere else, there's there's just those question marks. Yant is up and down, especially in serve receive. Like there's he's he's bad in, in serve bad, receive, and you can kind of see a few times too where there's. Maybe a little bit of friction between Zaitsev and Yant. In uh, after service, like there was one, there was there was there's there's just as much friction though between Micheletto and Lorenzano on the Trentino side. I can p- count so many times this year where Micheletto is just berating his young libero. There in is. I'll have to watch that some more because I know we were talking about it in the, in the discord, but I'll have to watch those interactions a little bit more, but I just wonder if that's just the way, like, I think we've all played with players before or have had, you know, played on teams where there's two players who love each other and they just go at each other in that way. So I'm going to have to watch those, those, those interactions between uh, Micheletto yeah. and Lorenzano a little bit more. Um, but like there's clear ones. Like there was one in the third set, um, late in the third set where it was clearly like it was right at Yant's right shoulder. He could should have just stepped in. It was a far step for Zaitsev. Sure, Zaitsev is the back row player there, but also let's understand that Zaitsev is not a natural serve receiver. He's just been doing it as of late. Um, and Zaitsev gets gets ace as Yant is kind of just standing there watching it. Um, and there's there's just no interaction at the end. There's no like my bad by Yant. Yant just kind of stands over him as Zaitsev is is cleaning the floor. Um, and it's those little interactions that tell me that there's just not that that unison uh, on the on the Lube side. I'm gonna watch now that you mentioned that. I am I am gonna watch those interactions between Lorenzano and Micheletto a, a little bit more. But at the end of the day, you know what? The scrutiny goes on the team that lost, and uh, you know. Those types of situations always get swept under the rug <laughs> after true. a win. Um, uh, match two goes back to Chivinova on Thursday, Thursday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you would have to assume that's kind of a must-win for Lube. Uh, down 2 nothing in the Scudetto final is not a good place to be. So uh, I- I'm curious to see it. I, I do think that there are going to be some moving parts. We've already seen the Lube block adjust. They've been putting... Uh, Luciano DeCecco mm-hmm. on the left <laughs> against Matej Kaziski, which is not something I thought that I would see. Uh, and it actually hasn't been the worst decision. It's kind of worked out a little bit. So stuff like that. I, that that's why I like series at this high of a level because the, there's so much thinking going on. There's so much matchup understanding and adjustment. And I think that match two might look completely different than match one. Yeah, uh, I fully agree. And I, I fully uh, agree as well that it's a must win for Lube. As I said before, it's so hard to play from behind. Uh, against this Trentino team. They're just so mentally tough. Yeah. They're so mentally strong. They don't make a lot of errors. And to me, like you said, who's the best player on, on Trentino in day in and day out? Like, ultimately, I think you have to give it to Kaczynski. Like, he's been so fantastic. He's He's been scoring the most points. But every every part of that team is important. And I don't know if there's right. one that's less important than the other one. Even the way that Tahir uh came in, like he he was big time. I did I was kind of questioning Lube early on because right after he was subbed in, you know, there's a few points where you had both the left side and it was Anzani jump with Tahir and he hadn't even been set yet. And I was like, man, you've got a front row setter. 
you need to release and get a two-man block over there on why Nicoletto do or so many elite middles make that exact mistake uh, and it, it was i was thankful to have vital heinen on the call to point out how stupid that was and yeah. because he's not shy about pointing out when things are stupid that was dumb you're anzani you're a world champion caliber middle you're like you're You've you've been here. You should know better. As, and he did, was doing the same thing in the Milano series, jumping on Matteo Piano when he was the least threatening part of the Milano offense. Like, figure it out, Middles. We should know better than this. I mean, that's something that, like, you know, I used to work with, like, my college team Middles. Um, and trust me, the CCAA or the OCAA should, is nowhere near the, like, Super League of Volley. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was just questionable. But I'm going to be very interested to see uh, what Lube brings to the table. I think Zaitsev needs to bring it up from the baseline. Nikolov wasn't great from the baseline early on. And early on, you could tell. Like, after six points in this match, uh, Trentino had two aces. Zaitsev, or not Zaitsev, well, Zaitsev had one of them. But Lube had two errors. And it just kind of continued on. Also, blocking-wise, Trentino with 10 blocks way was better. Yep. way better. You could tell that they block as a unit. How good is Marco every- Petrashin in, man? How good oh, is that so guy? Good. So good. And the fact that they're even able to bring into here as well is is just unreal as well. So um, big ups to Trentino. I honestly expect to, them to take this series 3-1 now. Yeah, that that was that was my pick on the last show, and I'll stand yeah, by. I, I, I remember. I think I, I think I called it in five, but you're right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for Thursday. Going to be a good one. Um, speaking of the finals, uh, we're starting. Let's move on to some of the other leagues. Starting to get a bunch of them into the finals. One huge one is the Plus Liga. Uh, I'm very very excited about this final, uh, which starts tomorrow between Zaxa and Yashemsky, and I'm excited about this for a lot of reasons. One is because we've seen it a bunch the last two years has been quite the saga the last couple of years and it's a preview of the champions league final so uh those two teams are going to go into the champions league final ready to go for one another there will not need to be any like new study being done um they already know each other extremely well they could put that final right now and the level will be super high so uh we, we talked about it on last week's show uh both of them both zaksa and yashemsky were up two to nothing in their respective semifinals we expected them to get those series done both of them did uh, Zaksa beat Rosovia in five, actually a really good match at home on Wednesday. And Yashemsky beat Zavierce uh, in a sweep, no problem. So here we are. And uh, we also had the third place series that started today. Uh, Zavierce beat Rosovia in five with Champions League spot on the line. So that is what it is. But uh, match one of the final is tomorrow. Everett, are you, do you agree with me that uh, that we're, we're on Team Zaksa? Oh, yeah, at this absolutely. Point? Both because, like, just watching Zaxa and their rise over the past few years has been so much fun to watch. They've got a few, a couple of North American boy, boys who, you know, have been absolutely fantastic. But my question to you, Rob, is, is Bartosz Bednors one of the best players in the world right now, right in this moment? I think he's the hottest player in the world right now. He, he, he's done, like, more often than any other player since he joined Zaxa. So let's call it February no other player since then has put up more stats stat lines like like 20 for 26 or like things along those lines like otherworldly like ridiculous efficiency numbers like matches where he is downright unstoppable in doing everything pipe left side in system serving like the whole thing he i think that he's the hottest player in volleyball is he is he the, the best maybe maybe uh we could certainly have that debate too but uh, ben norris is steaming steaming hot 
And it was good that Zaxa got that that semifinal series done in three matches. It was a 3-0 in the series over Rosovia because it looked to me like in that match uh, that that third match on Wednesday that Ben Norris was playing around with his knee a little bit. Uh, he had to go to the bench for maybe half a set to get his knee looked at, which is not a good sign. But he did come back into the match, and he basically won the fifth set single-handedly from the service line. So uh, he is my pick for the hottest player in the world right now and might be Zox's most important player. And think about how much their season has turned around since bringing him in. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that this is actually is technically his second season, right? Because we already played uh, in China. I don't think he won the championship there. Maybe he did. And I don't know. I can't remember. I don't remember, honestly. <laughs> I don't, not yeah. that it really matters that much, the Chinese league. But yeah, it, it's just been watching him come and have the effect on his team. And it's funny, you know, because we talked to Eric Shoji uh, right before um, right before they played Trentino back in the regular the, the group stage of the Champions League. And just how he he talked about having how much this guy influences their team. And it's it's just been he's been a perfect fit for for this team and especially for a team like Zoxa that isn't used to a lot of turnover. Like all of these guys have have been their guys. Uh, that's massive, and it's going to be uh, pretty interesting to see what happens after this if he stays at Zaxa or if he goes elsewhere uh, because he's had an absolutely massive impact, and I think he's kind of redeemed himself in a number of ways. Yeah, and yeah his trip to Zenit Kazan was not particularly good. Uh, once, he, once he left Poland to go kind of explore the waters, it didn't go super well for him, but now uh, back at home picking up where he left off. Um, what, in your opinion, Everett, does Yashimsky have to do to beat Zaxa in a five-match series? Is there a path? And if so, what is it? I think there is a path. Um, first and foremost, they're going to need to serve exceptionally well. Right? Mm-hmm. They, need to, they need to put um, Zaxa in a bad position. I think that's a no-brainer. And when you look at this roster, like they, they need to block well. Um, the big caveat there being Tonyuti, of course, and how they're going to be able to, to work around him. Um, but Boyer needs to have a monster series, which I don't know if he can. That's going to be, that's one of the big question marks to me is can Stefan Boyer, like he has to be the best player in this series for, for, um, Yashevsky to have, to have a chance. Completely um, agree. That, that to me is like for now, there's no doubt that, that he needs to be good. Klevno, I think needs to be better. I, I think Klevno has just been all right. Both of those players need to be very, very good. They need to be a passing fantastic. But ultimately, Stefan Boyer needs to be unstoppable. Um, and they're going to need Yuri Glider. They, they need Yuri Glider in, in on this one. It's like um, the fiery, like, fury of the devil in his eyes. And they're going to need his blocking presence, too. I, I agree. I think we... I think there is a path, too, because we saw Stefan Boyer the first half of the season play the best volleyball of his career and be clearly the best opposite, if not the best player in the entire Plus Liga for the first half of the year. And that was, I mean, it was bound to come back to earth at some point. But if he catches fire for three matches, it's not impossible that that uh, he can really put Zox in serious trouble. I could definitely see it. But uh, with this five-match series and with the Champions League final, just getting to see two teams that are so good, so well-rounded, and so smart. Like, we talk about how smart Zaxa is and how mature their organization is. But Yashemsky is really the same thing. That team has been there, 
Remember when Zaxa won their first Champions League two years ago, they didn't win the Plus League. It's because they got beat by Yashimsky in mm. the final. So um, th- this this series is a classic. This, this has really been, a, it's hard to call it an underrated rivalry the last two years, but I think because we focus so much on on the Italian League that this this, this awesome Plus League battle has flown a little under the radar, and I'm excited. I want to spotlight it as much as we can the next couple of I weeks. do it's think that one was a little different, because it, or a few years ago, because I, I do think that Zaxa may have won the Champions League before the Plus Liga finals. And, correct. Uh, so I think that yeah, might have that uh, created uh, maybe a bit of an emotional hangover, but I do think that ultimately the MVP of this series for JW, if they are to win, uh, is going to be Ben Tonyuti, and that's going to be by keeping Stefan Boyer out of the clubs and out of the rippers. If he's going to be able to do that um, <laughs> for the entirety of the se- of the series, that's when we're going to see um, J- JSW have a little bit of a shot. But otherwise, if he's throwing those ones around, or I don't know, what is it, a $5, five, a $5 euro bill, you know, <laughs> Then, then they may not have may may not have as good of a shot. <laughs> that is not where I thought that was going to go, but uh, I'm definitely not going to tell you you're wrong. That's really funny. <laughs> there you go. I, I was going to say it, you got to admit it, it's kind of warranted based oh, on what sure. we learned. Oh, we've learned a lot. We we learned about their time in Ottawa with the French national team last summer. We heard some good stories from that. So exactly. Oh man. Exactly. <laughs> so match one of that series is tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, two thirty p.m. Eastern. You can do a little. Double screen between that and the Malone's Scandici game if you're really dedicated. That one's going to be good. So before we move on, a bunch of other league playoffs, championship series to talk about. Uh, Everett, what sweatshirt are you wearing over there? You know, just our Google 9 merch. You can go head over to that volleyball.store. Use the code SPICY uh, to get 15% off. Um, and yeah, look good like us. We'll get Rob in some of our merch sometime and, and out of that, that VLA gear. Oh, hey, I like the VLA gear. You, you can plug your merch. I can plug mine. We've got a gigantic uh, gigantic VLA tournament coming up next weekend, which we'll talk about on next week's show. But uh, the, even as good as the VLA merch is, and it's pretty good, um, nothing compares to that 9 by 9 squared logo. It really is the best. So uh, pick it up from that volleyball.store. A bunch of good colors, too. Yeah, great colors. We, we, pick, we picked all of the colors. Um, and, of course, the next best thing, uh, in the volleyball source universe is our newest segment. Where's Daddy? It's Rob St. Clair's beautiful brainchild, and <laughs> I can't lie, I absolutely love it. Um, basically, we're just throwing Daddy Stankovich in a clip, and you got to find him. Yep, uh, maybe he already showed up, and maybe he did not. Uh, we're not going to tell you, but if you find where Daddy Stankovich is hidden in this episode, and you comment after the stream is over the timestamp of where he is, then you get a shout-out on next week's show. So with that in mind, uh, this is where Daddy Stankovich appeared on last week's show. Uh, this was a pretty good one. I tried to hide him a little more conspicuously this time. Um, Daddy Stankovic is hidden in the crowd. He's there in the first row. You can see him there in between uh, Lucarelli and Sconferla uh, sitting in the first row <laughs> watching the Piacenza game. So that's where Daddy Stankovic was. And once again, our, our friend from the Discord, Bassi Lassie, found him immediately. It was at the beginning of last week's episode, so I was hoping I could slip it by some people, but uh, he found it right away. So shout Bassie, out to Bassi Lassie. Two for three. Two, two for, for three. three, baby. Two for three in, in Where's Daddy history. So that, that, that's a pretty impressive record so far. Somebody else has got to find Daddy and post it in the comments faster than, than Bassi Lassie to try and get a chance. But yeah, Daddy Stokovic is somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where. Everett doesn't even know where he is. No, <laughs> um, I don't. Which I love. It makes it even more fun. 
Yeah. Uh, and the, the worst is, though, is that the software that we use sometimes goes really, really pixelated so much so that I can't even see Rob's face uh, when, when we're talking to him. So you, if you see me really squinting at the screen, um, it's because I'm looking for, for Daddy Stankovich. Yeah, I look behind the scenes. It always it always ends up looking beautiful on YouTube, but sometimes on like on our sides, like when we're looking at each other and we're looking at the asset in the middle of the screen, it doesn't look as yeah. good. So Everett might have the biggest disadvantage in the Where's Daddy game. You're not wrong. You're 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 not wrong, especially <laughs> since you you don't tell me anything. But it's Never. always the first thing when we talk about after at the end of the show. <laughs> One more thing uh, before we we continue on well two two more things first and foremost if you're not a member of the volleyball source discord i don't know what you're doing get your butt over there um it's basically the greatest thing that that we have uh the ba- best and greatest uh, volleyball community um anywhere on the internet i wonder how i can see how many people are in it um it's it's well over a thousand. Well and, over uh, a thousand, and and growing by the day, and more people are like coming out of the woodwork to actually be active and contribute, and especially as all these playoff series are going on, like we've got so many channels for the different countries, the different leagues. the The discussion is awesome. Like it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's been it's brought so much, even just as a, as a fan, to my experiencing of watching all these games is having this like pretty well educated community of people to talk to during the games. It's awesome. Can't yeah. recommend it enough. But finally, guys, you let us down a little last week. We only had 36 likes on the video, down from over 90 the week before. So you know what? I'm, I'm putting it on you guys. You, you, if you like this show, like the video. If you don't like this show, like the video. If you find <laughs> Daddy, like this video. That's just, right. Just just you know what we actually had... th- that's a prerequisite if if you want if you want to win the the where's daddy contest i'm going to check the video to see if you have also thumbed up the video with your comment and if Ooh. not you don't get the shout out oh there we go up you don't the get the shout out so not only up do you have to comment not only do you have to comment the timestamp for where's daddy you also have to like the video and i'll check i will yeah absolutely because the likes you know what it, it, it's just important like help us out here Give us the likes, um, you know, especially with the FIVB taking down our YouTube uh, or sorry, not our Instagram. YouTube, our, our, our Instagram uh, recently, which no, nothing back from from them on that. Uh, also love how they they had to have done it like manually. They had to have gone through of because course there's so many other there's, there's so many other channels that uses clips of, of VNL World Championships, whatever Olympics. Um, but yeah, so this is one of the best ways to support us throw us a like because every time every other person every next person who likes it it's just going to increase the algorithm by that much by that much yeah, by the that algorithm much, matters you know and, and it's think- been it's it's been massive the past few shows you know two weeks ago what we were at like 2600 and last week was only 1300 so we literally d- like lost half of our audience from the week before to this week so and that's that's you know you're going to have some up and down let the like back up please and thank you guys we, we would really appreciate it i think we, we put it out a couple shows ago that this is the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet and every episode we do needs 81 likes i think that's at that's the, the target least. that's the at target the we are halfway there right now and so we got work to do before the end of the show but fortunately we got some more stuff to talk about every ready to jump back in a little bit yeah absolutely we talked about the men's side in turkey or the women's side in turkey now let's talk about the men's game one of the finals going down to Hulk Bank. Are you surprised though, Rob, at at all with the way that team has played all season? 
No, but I was at least happy that we got a good match out of it. So this was earlier today. Um, I stumbled upon a little bit, turned it on, watched basically the whole match. And the first two sets, I was not impressed. Uh, Zerot Bank is the other team playing in the finals, also from Ankara, so a crosstown series, which is cool. Uh, they got past Fenerbahce in, uh, in the third game in the semifinals, but they laid two eggs, two terrible performances in the first two sets, not even close, 25-15, 25-16. But then uh, you, you know that Velter Termat is not going to get put down on the club level for a while. He's playing against Namir, which I'm sure is a little extra motivation for him, having to sit behind him on the Dutch national team all the time. Uh, so Zierat Bank took a set. Zierat Bank was up 11-4 to four in the fourth set before Hawkbank stormed all the way back. Uh, Zierat Bank had a set point in reception at 24-23. Micah Ma'a ripped a clean ace to the zone one sideline. And then Osmani Wantarena hit two balls out of bounds in a row cross court. And Hawkbank wins the match. So uh, very spicy, very fun to watch, very chippy, like someone in the chat just put in. Uh, I mean, every every single Hawkbank match we saw in Champions League kind of went off the rails, and the same goes in the domestic league. This match was fun. Uh, the series is fun, and it was on YouTube for free. So no reason not to watch. See if uh, Namir, Micah Ma'a, and Thomas Jeschke, who once again went above 50% efficiency in this game. Uh, just ridiculous. We'll see if they can hoist a, hoist another another piece of hardware. They won the Turkish Cup like a week ago, so why can't they do it again? Remember uh, when both Wantarena and Thomas Jeski were coming from China? Their games we were talking about who we think going to impact their team more. I think we know the answer to that. Now. Yeah, we think I, we, I, do. I, I think, we do. I think there is no doubt about it. Thomas Jeski is has been a revelation to me it's it's kind of the question of who's impacted their team more Thomas Jeski or Bartosz Bednorz yeah. I think Melissa Vargas was in that conversation now but maybe not as of late uh with that fall of Fenerbahce especially in the in the, the past few matches but ultimately I think I think you have to give it to Bednorz but Jeski has been a revelation so far for um for uh Hulk Bank and I cannot wait to see him in a team USA um uh, jersey later on this year boy i hope so I, sh- I sure hope so we need that man very very badly so uh great great for tom jeski game two in that series is let's see um it is on the fourth which is thursday and that that's a best of five series which is great so uh we get uh we get at least two more matches between hawk bank and zero bank uh yeah so game two oh well look how many they have scheduled that's weird uh, they've got a bunch of them scheduled. Maybe I was wrong. I think that what's the sixth? Is that Saturday? Yeah, that's Saturday. Okay, game. Sorry, game two is Saturday. Game three is mm, Tuesday. So uh, b- maybe if Hawkpink sweeps the series, we can uh, crown them on next week's show. Yeah, Saturday at noon will be the uh, um, the Hawkbank match. Yep, and uh, we'll we'll put links in the Discord for uh, the right YouTube channel. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I found it earlier today. I put it in the Turkey channel, so go check that, or we'll send it again on Saturday. It was free, and it was not geoblocked, which is amazing. Awesome. Got it. Got to love that. All right, from Turkey up to Germany, game number one of the Bundesliga finals went the way of the Berlin recycling volleys. Um, honestly, not that. That's surprising given how much that they have dominated this season. 3-1 for the recycling volleys. Eric Sotzel left 22 points. He was pretty, pretty, pretty good in this aces. one. Seven aces. Seven aces to only five errors. That's insane. 
yeah, 11 aces as a team for Berlin as well, of course, bolstered by uh, Sotola's seven there. Um, do Are we going to expect, especially when you look at the passing numbers here, 33% positive, nine perfect for uh, for um, um, Friedrichshafen, 59 and 32 for Berlin. Ouch. Yeah, that that is certainly not good enough. Uh, yeah, Friedrichshafen's got got a couple moving parts at outside hitter. I know they started with this Tim Pater character, this German guy. Um, man, why am I blanking? Who is their other starting outside hitter through their Champions League run across from Luciano Vicentin? They had another. Oh yeah, um, Giga Stern. They had the Slovenian guy. I don't know what's happened oh, yeah. to him, but he's not on the roster anymore. No, maybe he's he got, not. He's not even on the roster right yeah, now. Yeah, maybe he got hurt. Not sure what's going on there. Uh, Andre Brown for Hoffen is having. Uh, amazing year, great block in the ball. He had five, five blocks by himself. But, uh, I mean, Berlin looks unstoppable. They have the best player in the league in Marek Sotola, and I think it's pretty fair to call him that at this point. Um, 13 for 31 attacking, but, yeah, the seven aces is insane, and, and the, the angles that he can create. I, I, I like Berlin. I like Berlin, and I think they're going to win yet another German league title. Game two going on Thursday. Uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Best uh, that broadcast one... in the game, as we like to say. Yeah, absolute bond and uh, got to check them out over on Twitch. Of course, it's not geoblocked; it's free. Um, if I knew German, I knew it would be awesome because they always have two commentators on the game. And they're always talking some good balls. So that one is definitely going to be one to check out as well on Thursday at the same time as Game Two as the Italian finals. And Rob, um, let's just jump over to the women's side real quick. I know we don't have a, an asset for this, uh, but I accidentally opened it up and saw that Game <laughs> One of the women's finals uh, went down. Earlier today, actually, with Stuttgart beating Potsdam 3-1 in Game 1 of the women's final. Crystal Rivers, um, uh, 22 points. Simone Lee, 23 points uh, for Stuttgart in match number one. Um, I don't think there's any Americans... On, um, on Potsdam, um, no, I don't think Potsdam. so. Because we saw Potsdam but, steal that match from Vakif Bank in Champions League pools out of nowhere, and uh, correct. But like Stuttgart has been the more like sustainably good team this year, at least in terms of European success. I'm not going to claim that I've watched very much German women's volleyball this year, but um, yeah, th- this is a best of five series, so there's at least two more games. Yeah, absolutely. Also, do the shit out backup setter for Potsdam is a Canadian national team backup setter, uh, Kim Rabitai, uh, out of Quebec, who started the year in Romania and now plays for uh, Potsdam. I'm just pulling up their volley box right now real quick to see if there's any uh, Americans on this Potsdam team. Of course, being in the finals, both teams have qualified for the Champions League next season. Both teams got some pretty good upsets, so... Um, that's pretty awesome, and no, no Americans on this uh, uh, on this Potsdam team. All right, uh, go Stuttgart. It is then. I like I like Crystal the Rivers. I like Simone Lee. Uh, so you want to move on to France, the French League. Uh, those finals are set. I know we were roasting their format in the LNV last week with it going from best of five to best of three to like Champions League home and away style, which I still don't understand. But uh, Chaumont. Huge respect for coming back, uh, dropping the first match in the best of three semifinal series, but then winning six sets in a row over Nantes to take on tours in the final. So uh, that's really cool. Match one is Saturday, I think. Yep, uh, match one is this Saturday. Match two is the, is the Saturday after that, uh, the 13th. And then there's golden set potential there because of how dumb that format is. But 
Uh, it is down to two teams in the LNV, and there are a couple Americans on Shell Mode that I'm rooting for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, match number one is going to be on Saturday. You already you just said that, right? Yeah, uh, this Saturday and then the following Saturday for match two. All right, make sure to check out the weird LNV and uh, just a bit of a, a uh, with the uh, the two match series. They're not doing it set by set. If right, you win, you just win three nothing and then lose 3-2, and you're still going to a golden set, which I actually kind of like. Yeah, I, I think that in a, in a league's playoffs, it sh- that sets shouldn't matter. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, at that absolutely. point, just like play, play an odd number of matches and decide it that way. Like, otherwise, there's no, there isn't really any home court advantage for tours who should be the one seed. Well, they are the one seed. They, they should get more of a home court advantage for that. So just play the third match. Why not? Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. It's a little bit more revenue for the team, you know, the gate and and whatnot. And uh, but yeah, that that one that one is definitely uh, a little bit interesting over there in France. Yep. All right, is that is that it for Europe? I think we've got a little bit of North American stuff to talk about the rest of the show. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. As the NCAA tournament is in full swing, uh, actually, it is literally going on right now. right now. <laughs> um, Right, right as we speak, I'm going to pull that up. Uh, yeah, break it down. Right this second, Penn State leads Ohio State one set to none. Uh, Penn State took the first 25-22. It is early in the second set in that match right now. So, um, as we all expected, Ohio State in the earliest playing game beat King out of the Conference Carolinas. They beat him on I think Sunday um, to advance to take on Penn State rematch there when Ohio State beat Penn State to knock him off the number one ranking. So that one's live literally right now. It's on ESPN Plus, which is a bummer. I thought these were going to be free on NCAA.com. Uh, they are not. You got to pick up a subscription to watch those. But uh, we also had one earlier today between Grand Canyon and Long Beach State uh, with Long Beach winning three to one there as well. And I watched that whole game. It was pretty high level. I mean, no surprise there uh, that Long Beach picks up that win. But GCU, I, I feel like, has been putting together quite a decent season. Um, so, so big ups for the team from uh, from Arizona. Arizona yep. Volleyball starting to pick it up. I did see that uh, out of system in one of their podcasts. They were talking about the identities of each volleyball state. And Arizona was basically thinking they're as good as California, but they aren't <laughs> even close. I love I like that. That, that is that is true. Oh, that's also a very California take to like try and relegate them to the little brother role. Uh, but, but what I noticed from this, like, and I, I watched this earlier, there was some a little bit of activity in the Discord about it. Grand Canyon is good. Uh, Grand Canyon's wings are better than Long Beach State's wings. I, I, I will go out on a limb and say that. Um, we saw the Shapanis kid, like the, the Cyprusian kid for Long Beach start on the bench. So he didn't even play the first set. Then he came on and looked pretty healthy to me so i'm not exactly sure why he sat but when he came off uh, th- that made a big difference grand canyon just kind of lacked that experience and th- this was their first ncaa tournament birth ever uh, so shout out to coach matt worley of grand canyon for getting them here that, that was awesome but you could definitely tell at the end of the fourth set where grand canyon showed that that inexperience and kind of surrendering to the bright lights of the moment just a little bit and uh, long beach did a really good job putting the right amounts of pressure on both from the service line and blocking i thought uh, long beach blocked the ball extremely well uh, simon torwe their middle was the most impressive player to me on either side so uh he's he's going to be a factor but i do still think the grand canyon's wings were better than long beaches it just wasn't quite enough Okay, I could, I could kind of see that. I obviously haven't seen Grand Canyon play, but I have seen 
um, a Long Beach play earlier this season. I do agree. Simon Torwe, that dude is a beast. He's, he's, he's an absolute beast. <laughs> and I do hope, I do hope, especially in the Discord, people start giving Aiden Knipe a little bit more respect. I Aiden think Knipe he's was the better good. setter today, for sure. I think he's he may not look the part, right? He, I think as I as I said uh, after the Long Beach versus Master game, he kind of looks like a guy whose legs were photoshopped onto his body, um, <laughs> like they just don't really fit each other. But he runs a good offense. He's got pretty good hands, and you can tell he just has a good vibe with his team. So uh, watching him play, I know he beat McMaster and I wasn't really that happy, about it, but he was a guy that I wanted to win just by watching him play. So I think our disc, I would hope that our discord gives him a little bit more uh, respect uh, in those ways. Well, I, I was I was hoping that you were going to give us some some Long Beach State takes because you saw them in person this year and I did not. And I, I like that point about Aiden Knife because he was definitely the better setter tonight. Now, the question is that, Long Beach now is going to go play UCLA on Thursday, and that's going to be very, very interesting. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about uh, the winner of Ohio State and Penn State who are playing right now. Uh, Ohio State, as of this second, is up 10-7 to in the second set. Uh, winner of that's going to go on to play Hawaii, and that's going to be gnarly as well. So semis on Thursday, championship match on Saturday. Get in the Discord. We will try and get you internationally friendly links to watch these games but i'm not i'm not super optimistic about finding good places if you're in the states just pay 10 bucks and get espn plus and then cancel it after this week is over it's it's worth it to watch these games um commentary not as bad as usual it's not good but it's not as bad as usual uh, they've got a george mason head coach jay hossack as the color guy and he's really good um, and then you get Sunderland and Barnett on probably ESPN two on Saturday night for the finals. So, you're just gonna you're just gonna sewer Rob Asparrow like that, eh? Not even Rob Asparrow is not a play by play guy. He he is not a play by play guy. He is a live MC and he has a lane doing that. I I do not think that he has a lane doing play by play. It's it's kind of painful. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I haven't been able to watch it because I'm up here in Canada. Um. But yeah, just going back to the the uh, Long Beach outsides though, they had Godbold or um, Oliver and Siapanis out there. I don't know the Grand Canyon outsides, but I do think that like there's in my, in my eyes, like Godbold is a Lytle version of Kyle Ensing um, and Aiden Knight makes him look real good. I kind of agree with that. I'm not super impressed with Godbold. And uh, I think that's a good segue. We got to talk about the all American list here for a second. And for some reason, Godbold was kind of tearing Grand Canyon apart for like the first two sets. Because while Chapanis was on the bench, and I don't think Olivier is particularly good, and I think the Discord is in agreement with that, uh, Goldbold or Godbold, sorry, was getting the most of their points for about a set and a half there, and that was surprising to me that Grand Canyon like couldn't more convincingly shut him down. Uh, but Grand Canyon's wings are good. This Camden Gianni kid uh, switched from the left to the right midway through his career. He's really physical. Then Christian Janke and Jackson Hickman are the two left sides, and all three of those guys would have started on Long Beach. I'm, I'm convinced of that. They they were good, but their team wasn't quite good enough. Uh, Mason Briggs was clearly a better libero. Knipe was a better setter. And both Long Beach middles, uh, Holdaway and Torrey, were better than the Grand Canyon guys. All right, fair enough. I'm trying to squint through the uh, 140p screen that I've got mm-hmm. right now. I, 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 put um, the, I put the link in the in the show notes. I think that's oh, okay, a little bit I see better. That. I see yeah, that we can talk now, about yeah. the All-American list. So the... I'll read them down, and then we can talk about them. The, the first team All-Americans for this NCAA season, there are 12 of them, which I don't really understand. we got Cole Bogner, setter from Penn State, Mason Briggs, libero from Long Beach, 
Ethan Champlin outside from UCLA, Ido David opposite from UCLA, Toby Ezionu, middle blocker, Penn State, Hilir Haino, uh, outside hitter, UC Irvine, Merrick McHenry, middle blocker, UCLA, Demetrios Muklias, opposite Hawaii, Jacob Pastor, outside hitter, Ohio State, Andrew Owen, setter, UCLA, Jakob Tellis, setter, Hawaii, and Guillerme Vos, middle blocker, Hawaii. One, why are there 12 first-team All-Americans? And two, uh, I'm a little concerned that of those 12, only six of them are American-born players. But that's that's standard, though. That's yeah, that's like that's absolutely normal for the NCAA, right? It like pretty, it is pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the NCAA volleyball is is one of the best greeting grounds for everyone outside of America. <laughs> that's, and, it's, be, and because America can't figure it out, we're just letting we're just getting those scholarship spots taken up by foreign kids who go and support other national teams. It's really awesome. Good job, USA volleyball. You're really doing a great job. Hey, Nikolov, man. I mean, Nik- Nikolov, last year with the NCAA, this year he was in the finals. Gabby Garcia, same thing. I mean, at least you guys stole him from yeah, Puerto Rico. We, like, we were able to steal, steal everything else from Puerto Rico. <laughs> I mean, like, Jakob Tella has a case for National Player of the Year, which will get named later this week. He's Danish. I mean, Vos is Brazilian. Muklius is Greek. David is Israeli. Uh, Heno is French. Like, they, they, there's dudes from literally all over the world taking up first-team All-American spots. I can't say I'm particularly happy about it, but all those guys are deserving. Like, those are the best players in their position in the country. It's, it's, it's pretty clear to me. Uh, it's it's also interesting that we've got three setters on this list. Are there should there really be three first team All American setters? I'm not super convinced by that. Yeah, I don't even know. And did we get to see? Was Cole Bogner? Was he playing for? Yeah, uh, for Penn he State. He was there. Okay. Yeah, and he's really good. Uh, he's good, but so is Jakob Tella, and then so is Andrew Rowan, who's might be the story of the NCAA this year. Like a, a, a true freshman coming in, starting midway through the year after Miles Partain, who was the conference player of the year last year for UCLA, left the team halfway through the year to focus on the beach. And so they bring in a freshman, this like six six kid, and he's a first team All American setter, and it's completely well deserved. Like he's been incredible. Uh, it's it's weird. Like you lose you lose the player of the year, and you arguably get better. Uh, halfway through the year. So uh, Spira, by the way, uh, at National Coach of the Year, I think that's honestly pretty well-deserved with what, what happened with his setter position. It's been pretty pretty cool story this year. Is this the year that Spira breaks the curse? Because remember, you know, he, he did it with UCI, but he has yet to be able to do it with UCLA. They're the number one seed. Um, they have to play potentially, you know, they have to play Long Beach in the semifinals. And then the winner, they have to play the winner of Penn State versus Ohio State, and then whoever wins that versus Hawaii, uh, potentially, if they beat, even if they beat Long Beach, can UCLA, UCLA get the job done? Oh, man. Uh, UCLA will beat Long Beach State. At least that's my opinion. I, I strongly think they will. I think Long Beach is really, really beatable. Uh, the only matchup advantage I think that uh, that Long Beach might have there is in the middle. But uh, I, I like Rowan at setter. I really like David at opposite, this Israeli kid. And then I like uh, Alex Knight, Ethan Champlin on the left. I think they're both – all three of those UCLA wings uh, can easily, easily win a championship. I'm not sure if UCLA were to blow it to somebody. I don't know what reason it would be other than getting beat by – like if, if Hawaii gets nuclear hot again and tries to win three in a row. That wouldn't surprise me, but this could easily be the year – that that uh, Spiroff finally gets it done for UCLA. It, it's it's the best chance, it's the best chance he's probably ever had. Not only is his team good, but 
um, there isn't another like incredibly dominant team across the bracket from them anywhere. All right. Well, we will see. We will update you guys that that for you guys on next week's show. Uh, as Rob said, use ESPN Plus um, to get it um, to, to check that out. You yeah, can that's tonight. Tonight and Thursday is ESPN okay. Plus. I think Saturday will be like on on more like a, a TV network in the states, and that'll be. I don't even know how to approach that for you international viewers, but we'll do whatever we can in the Discord to help you watch these games. So head over there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last but All not right. least, want to shout out one more thing related to the NCAA. That's Division Three. We talked about it on last week's Stevenson. show. That uh, Stevenson was the host of the tournament. The, the The team that won the national championship is Stevens, and that's confusing. Oh. But okay, uh, is, yeah, sorry, that is confusing. Yeah, Stevens Institute of Technology, uh, the Ducks is their mascot, which I kind of like. Uh, so shout out to Stevens out of New Jersey. They won the national championship in Division Three over the weekend. They beat uh, North Central, which is from the Chicago Burbs. They beat him three one in the final. So good for Stevens. They've got a bunch of alums playing at the VLA level. There's a guy from my high school that played at Stevens back in the day. So that's a good program. Uh, congratulations to them. They won the Division Three national title. Now, now, what we need to see is Stevens play against Camosun uh, for the NCAA. Yeah, the like the the tier two um, North American Championships. That's that's exactly what I want to see. It's never going to happen, <laughs> but it's, it's what I want. It would be cool. Uh, by the way, Ohio State and Penn State are tied up at sixteen in the second set right now. All so right. as soon as we're done here, uh, I'm going to jump over and watch that match. You should you should screen share it and uh, stream it in the uh, in the Discord for us, yeah, and you can every, commentate. We are we already got one volleyball source network taken down. We don't need a second one. Okay, I guess you're right. Nah, I guess you're right. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in this uh, week's episode of the Nine by Nine. Remember, first and foremost, where was Daddy? Where was Daddy? I didn't see him this episode. Did you not? Uh, okay, so... you're really gonna like this one. <laughs> you're really okay, gonna good. Like based off based off what I told you last week. All right. Yeah. Um. Second of all. Make sure to go like this video. Give us a give us that thumbs up, that sweet sweet thumbs up, baby. Um, that's that's how you're going to support us. Let's see, we're at 25 likes right now. That's not too bad. Um, so I yeah, want 81. Sure. I want 81 likes on this video. Make it happen. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, and after that, join us uh, over on the Volleyball Source Discord. Yep. See you next Tuesday. Lots of good volleyball to watch between now and then. Uh, same time, same place next week. Peace.